0: Welcome to 7 Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Yeah, anyway, so I I would have been here last Sunday um, if it had not been for that. So if you're out for any other reason, you're just wussing out. That's all there is to it. Has anybody else had a surgery this week and skipped church today? I know of a couple. I'm just picking on them. All right. Well, let's get going. Um, well, first of all, some people probably wonder what in the world happened to me. Well, I was out riding with my kids, and I'm dirt bikes. I'm not exactly sure uh, what exactly happened, but I do know what caused this, and that was because uh, my arm met a, a red oak tree, and uh, the tree won. Um, broke my forearm and basically just ripped my elbow off. I broke it off and uh, took him a few hours to get all that put back together and um, no biggie. It'll heal up. So well, while, you're, while you are uh, injured, you know, there's, you find things to do with your time while you're down and injured and you can't really do a lot, which I did try to stay pretty busy this week. I didn't try to, it just happened. But uh, a lot of times you're sick or you're, maybe you're in jail and you're staring at three walls and some bars. And you can't go anywhere, and you can't get out, and you find things to do with your time. Um, one thing you can do is pray. A lot of people find Jesus in prison, or they meet Jesus in prison because they're in there, and they're in prison. There's nothing else to do, so they, there's a Bible in there, and they start reading it, uh, one thing or the other. And uh, they give their life to Jesus, and it happens all the time. And I remember years ago when things weren't going well for me work-wise, and I wanted to work, I just couldn't find any work, so I had a lot of time on my hands. And uh, you know what happened during the time on my hands? I had a total transformation in my life. That's because uh, all my free time, spare time, I, I spent seeking the Lord. Because I needed Him then worse than ever. And I stayed in prayer, constant prayer the whole time. Reading His Word the whole time. And life changed for me. And so I look back on that. And even though there was a lot of things lost, material things, there was a lot more gained, uh, spiritual things. And um, I'm glad I lost it. Because uh, it, 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 it changed my life. So anyway this week, as I'm laying around, and you know, actually, when I'm in the hospital and they're trying to give me some medicine to uh, relieve some pain that wasn't working, and I tried to tell them multiple times, "That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. Well, we'll just give you some more. You can give me all you want, but it doesn't work. There's like something in my body that just it, it don't help me. So they're pumping me full of it, and it's not helping the thing, and I'm, I'm hurting. <laughs> I'm doing some praying. I am doing some prayer. Please, Jesus, help these nuts figure out what I need, or send somebody here to bullet one or the other. You know. No, I wasn't praying that. I'm t- totally teasing. But uh, I was praying for some relief, and my wife was praying with me. And uh, finally, we talked, made them understand, and they gave me something, helped out a lot. But um, so we're going to be talking about prayer this morning. Prayer. And we could go on for weeks, and we may go on for weeks. Um, Does anybody remember their first real prayer? I was thinking that this week, my first real prayer. And I I can't remember my first time I really reached out to God in prayer because I was in fear, and I had got myself in a bad position. I thought life was fixing to be ruined for me, and I needed some help. And uh, I was really not uh, praying. I was trying to work out a deal with Him. Now I can remember telling him, if you can get me out of this mess I've got myself into, I'll never do that again. Like we're going to work out a deal right here, right? Um, but does anybody remember their first real prayer? Now I remember praying when I was a kid and maybe not even understanding everything. But as an adult, I do remember my first real prayer. where I really started seeking the Lord and started praying. And I remember getting into prayer and, and, and starting to begin to pray. It added that to my life, to my routine. And I would hear people talk about praying for one hour. They prayed for an hour. And I would write down everything on my list that I needed. And I'm praying for Uncle Bobby's sister's cousin's niece's nephew, and I still don't have a ten minutes worth. I mean, I guess I didn't have that many problems. But that's the way I looked at prayer was I write down all my wants and needs on a piece of paper and I just inform God of everything that I need and everything I want and everything that's going wrong in my life. But it didn't, it didn't take that long to go through the list. And for, I just couldn't figure out how in the world somebody could pray for an hour. I hear people talk about praying for hours. Now, as I've gotten older, I understand, of course, and we'll get into that. And um, I see how people can pray for hours and hours and hours on end in the Spirit. But how in the world would they pray for that long in English? I just don't have that much to say. That's what I would think. And I thought this. I'm, bringing all, I'm talking to God, and I'm going to tell God all my needs. And I'm going to tell Him things are bad at work, financial, marriage, health, uh, relationship, whatever is on my list. And then I would think, well, if God already knows everything, then why am I telling Him what He already knows? Has anybody ever thought that before? I mean, if He knows everything about you, He already knows everything. So why am I going to tell Him everything He already knows? He already knows these things. Well, I hope I'm not the only one that's ever thought that. Um, But I did think those things. I did think that. So anyway, why do we pray? We're going to go down a few things here. One thing. Why don't we already tell God something He already knows anyway? Well, to acknowledge Him, let Him in your life, both generally and specifically. To acknowledge Him and let Him in your life, both generally and specifically. In Revelations, the third chapter, the 20th verse, it's, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears My voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with Me. Notice here it says, He stands at the door and knocks. And if you'll hear My voice, and you'll open the door so... It doesn't say He's going to kick the door in. He never is going to kick the door in and walk into the situation in your life. He's always standing at the door. He's always knocking. And if you open the door, He'll gladly walk in. He'll gladly walk into the situation in your life. That's why if you acknowledge Him, acknowledge Jesus Christ, I acknowledged Him years ago. Yep, I'm a sinner. I've messed up and I've made mistakes and I've acknowledged that I need a Savior and Jesus come walking into my life. And He set me free. And He's done the same thing for many of you here who've acknowledged Him as your Lord and Savior. Guess what? He comes in and He sets you free. But you have to open the door. You have to acknowledge Him. He doesn't just kick the door in and come walking in. He's a gentleman. Amen? And I've heard heard someone say before, a day without prayer is a boast against God. And basically what that's saying is this. I'm not praying today... Because I don't need you in my life today. Like if my finances are fine, so I don't need you in that area. My health is fine today. I don't need you in that area. Oh, my marriage is rocking on. I don't need you in that area today. We need Him in each and every area of our life every single day. Every day. In other words, it's an invitation. Come on in. Be a part of this. I want you to be a part of my finances. I want you to be a part of my marriage. I need help raising these children. I need help making decisions. So a day without prayer is basically a boast against God. That's basically what that means. And you see all through the Old Testament how He's the Shepherd, we're the sheep. And you see in the New Testament as well, Shepherd and the sheep. Well, He's our Shepherd, and we're the sheep. And there's three things a sheep can't do. A sheep can't navigate. Sheep don't have homing devices. Sheep can't bear burdens. You've never heard of a pack sheep. Now, they pack out animals uh, to carry supplies up in, in hills. Maybe, maybe you're going on an elk hunt. And they pack out some animals. They, you've never heard of a pack sheep. That's because they can't carry a load. They can't carry a burden. That's you and I. You know what else sheep can't do? They can't protect themselves. Have you ever seen a sign that says, Caution. Beware of sheep. Because nobody has a guard sheep. What are they going to do? Attack you with their molars? They can't protect themselves. Well, that's you and I. It's basically saying daily, Lord, I need you. I can't navigate. I need you to navigate, to guide my feet, to guide my steps. I can't carry this burden. You never designed me to carry the burden. I'm laying the burden down at your feet. Lord, I need you to protect me. Because I'm not an attack sheep. And see, that's one thing that he is, though. He's a shepherd. He's not a herder. A herder gets behind you and drives the sheep, drives the cattle. But he doesn't. He gets in front of you and leads you. Gently and softly leads you. And says, come this way. Amen? Another reason we pray is to build a prioritized and personal relationship. A prioritized and personal relationship. So this one hour thing. Well, when you look at it as a monologue versus a dialogue, it's not just a monologue. It's not just you sit there and do all the talking while he listens. God's actually very talkative. You can spend just a few moments in His Scripture reading His Word, just a few moments praying, and you can just shut up and listen. He will talk to you. He likes to talk. He talks to me all the time. Every every week on Sunday, either after service or Sunday night at some point, I say, Lord, show me what's on tap for next Sunday. And uh, he doesn't download the whole sermon on Sunday night. I wish he would. That'd be really nice. Um, But it's bits and pieces during the week. And he's speaking to me a little bit at a time during the week as the week goes. But it's dialogue. And the dialogue... You know, hearing the voice of the Lord and being in His presence should be the most precious thing in your life. And sometimes it's not the most precious thing in, in your life because you've never uh, spent time talking to Him, you've never heard from Him, and you've never really felt His presence. Because it's a lot of dialogue or it's a no-log because you're not talking at all. But it's a monologue. It's, it's what I say anyway. You know, I mean, I'm... I'm P-U-I up here, okay? Preaching under the influence. So if I get some words mixed up, you'll know why. (laughs) Is there a law against that? No, I think it's worn off. At the end of the day, that whole hour thing is um, is you can spend time um, with somebody and you never speak to them. And you don't get to know them any better. You see a man and a woman, a husband and a wife that are married, but they don't spend any time together. And they really don't get to know each other deep and intimately in their wants and their needs. I mean, you, you know enough. You know enough about what you better not do kind of thing. Um, but I'm talking about, you know, you get busy at work, or here comes the kids, and now the kids are in between the husband and the wife, and there's not... Uh, mommy and daddy time you 're not talking and spending time and going out and doing this that the other, and then you kind of drift apart because you 're not spending time together you 're not talking that 's how you get to know somebody as you speak to him and you talk to him you want to know how you get to know the Lord start talking to him he 'll start talking back to you then all of a sudden that hour is not that big of a deal and you don 't need to think of that hour and it can be two or three or four hours i 'm just saying an hour is just something that you hear people say all the time, and usually they 're boasting. Yes, I pray for an hour every day. Well, I've never even told anybody how long, how long I pray for a day because I don't set a timer on it. Um, some days might be 10 minutes and other days might be hours. But you can pray throughout the day. You don't have to get up and set the clock and say, when that timer goes off, yeah, okay, God, your time's up. You, you can do it throughout the day. I mean, there's opportunities all day long to pray and talk to the Lord. Hey, Laura, you know, uh, it work. It work a decision to be made. Hmm. This decision could really cost me. Uh, it could help me or it could hurt me. That's a good time to start talking to him. That's a really good time to start talking to him instead of just making the decision on your own and then having to hit your face later for him to come try to bail you out because you done messed up because you made a decision that didn't include him. You. you can talk to him All day long. All day long. I mean, then sometimes he'll talk back to you and say, walk away from that one. I start thinking of the uh, uh, Kenny Rogers song, the gambler. you got no one to hold him, no one to fold him, no one to walk away, no one to run. Well, he'll tell you when to hold him. He'll tell you when to fold him. He'll tell you when to walk away. Sometimes he'll tell you flat out run. Yeah, you're trying to find you a new woman or a new man. Sometimes the Lord will say, run, run far away from them. Because it ain't the one I got for you. What well, God puts together, let no man separate. And Unfortunately, God don't always put it together. We put it together. He was never in it to begin with. But now we want Him to turn this marriage into just a, a life of luxury. He was never in it to begin with. Anyway. What it, at the end of the day, I mean, here's the deal. Every day is circumstantial. And uh, what what God wants is, is, uh, for me, is some red time. He wants some Luke time. He wants some Jason time. That's what he wants. He wants some time with you. He wants. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to tell him about your needs and your wants and what your plans are. And he wants to be a part of it. He wants to be a part of every step of it. No different than you with your children. And a lot of times, here's one thing that keeps you from prayer, and here's one thing that keeps you from going to God and including Him in your life is you think He's mad at you for something you've done. And I used to do stupid stuff all the time. And more times than not, I thought God was mad at me because I had done something stupid. And that makes sense. I mean, if your kids do something stupid and and they know they're in trouble, they've done something stupid at school, they've gotten in trouble, but Daddy ain't got home yet, they don't come downstairs, Hey, Dad, what's up? High five. They stay upstairs and they come down walking real lightly and they don't want to be around you because they know they're fixing to be in even more trouble. You all know what I'm talking about? Well, we do the same thing with God. But you don't earn His love. Um, It's not a place where you get to where you deserve it. I mean, I was thinking about my little nephew, little John. He's just a little fella, and he runs around playing all day. He gets up and, you know, uh, let's just say, here's here's how a day goes in his life. He probably wakes up, goes in there in the kitchen to get some food. And then it looks like a bomb went off after you ate. Just stuff everywhere. And then while they're cleaning that up, a bomb does go off. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, dear Lord, call the fire department to wash this diaper out. Dang. Rough crowd here today. See, anyway, another bomb goes off. And he's outside playing. They've had to get on him several times. And he, he's gotten in trouble, got a few spankings. But now dad's home. And so now he wants to climb up in dad's lap and sit there and hang out with dad. His dad said, nah, you don't deserve it, boy. You don't deserve it. Your mama told me what you did today, so you don't deserve sitting in my lap. And that, that's how we approach God. He doesn't let you sit in his lap and tell him your problems and talk to him because you deserve it. It's because he loves you. And uh, I tell you, uh, I need him the most when I deserve it the least. And that's when you need it the most, too, is when you deserve it the least. Amen. Another reason here, moving on, exercise authority. Exercise authority. And why don't we pray to exercise authority? In Luke the 10th chapter, the 17th verse, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, I saw fa- Satan fall like lightning. From his throne, I saw him fall like lightning. Guess what? I've got power over him. I've got authority over him. He says, I give you the authority to trample over as well. I'm giving you the authority. So now you've got authority to use it. A lot of people have authority and they don't use it. Many people have authority and they don't know they even have authority. But he says, I've given you authority over all of them. Over all the demons, over all the evil spirits, over all those... Uh, the, the principalities of darkness, I've given you authority over all of them. You have authority over all of them. Now here's one thing I know for sure that I've learned this for a fact, is He's not going to do something when He's given you authority to do it yourself. Now I'd love to go with God with this hit list of all the people that have done me wrong and messed me over and let Him just go, you know, a hit list. But He doesn't give you the authority to do something I mean, He doesn't do something that He's already given you the authority to do. And we like to whine, you know, the spirit of whine. We just want to whine, wine, whine, whine. Like I said, just rather give Him the hit list, rather than use the authority that's been given to you. But um, when He's given you the authority to do it, here's the, here's the thing. You can use, stand on the Word and use the authority that He's given you. That's fighting. You can either fight or you can perish. You can fight or you can perish. Let me make it a little more plain to you. So my kids are getting a little bit older now. We were having a conversation in the car on the way to church this morning. I said, how can I tie this into my sermon? I don't know, but I'll find a way. And by George, I found a way. That's how the Holy Spirit moves. They're going to love this one. Yes, but when they're little babies, yeah, we had to change their diapers. But then it become potty training time. And they'd be in there in the can. And for those that don't know me, I've got triplets. So it's not that easy. And I've got a daughter who's 20. That was a piece of cake. The boys, different story altogether. There's three of them. Wow. So they would uh, be in there in the can. And it was hilarious. So hilarious. Mom, I'm finished. And I'd be like, my name ain't mom. (laughs) But I would help out until they got old enough that I thought, no, nah, y'all old enough. So I'd just say, you can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. I'd sit on the couch and they'd be hollering, hollering for somebody. I'd be like, fight or perish. Because I've given them authority to do it themselves. You can scream all you want. I'm not coming. Mom! So anyway, Jack had to break down and go in there. So uh, it's kind of like that. He's given you the authority. i would given them the authority, and they've been on their own ever since. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And they can scream and holler any day they want to. I'm not coming. Not for that. <laughs> They're on their own. Maybe if they had two broke arms. Okay. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So whatever you allow on earth or whatever you disallow. Or you can say whatever you allow in your home or whatever you disallow in your home. So you can bind things in your home. You can bind uh, a spirit of immorality. You could bind a spirit of rebellion. Because I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to allow this spirit of immorality to be on my kids, come up in my house. I'm not going to allow this spirit of rebellion to wreak havoc on my family. I'm not going to do it. So I'm binding that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Guess what? God honors it. Whatever you allow or whatever you don't allow, or whatever you disallow, if you want to allow it, He's going to honor it. It's your home. If you're going to allow it, He's going to honor it. If you're going to disallow it, and you say, no, I'm going to stand on this word, guess what? He's going to honor it. He's going to honor it. In the 19th verse, it says, Um I added this one at the last minute. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, that it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, here's what I want you to notice. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything, if you agree on something concerning anything, and we're talking about prayer here. So if two of us agree on something, The next scripture says, or two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them. I believe that's what the 20th verse says. But if you agree on something, so there's power in agreement. That's why he asked somebody to pray with you. Hey, I want you to agree with me concerning this. Hey, my arm's hurting real bad. Ask five or six, seven, eight people, the whole church, whatever you choose to do, I need you to agree with me this pain's going to go away. I need you to agree with me that this bad report from the hospital, I need you to agree, I'm healed. I need you to agree with me that I am healed in the name of Jesus. Can you agree with me on that? Okay. That's why that's important about this agreement. But I can tell you, like I said, I added this at the last minute. I've preached to several churches in my life. And it goes something like this. Some of the deacons or some of the parishioners or whatever will come down front, and if that's how you do it, that's fine. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying this is what I've witnessed with my eyeballs. And they come down front and they say, here's the, you know, the news, the morning uh, update. Sister Susie got out of the hospital. She's doing fine. And uh, we're going to be chicken, cooking uh, uh, fried chicken next Sunday night to raise money for the youth. And I believe that's all the, uh, the, the information. Do we have any unspoken prayers? Yeah, I see, I see, I see, I see, Okay, all right. Well, we're going to pray for that and pray for the offering and then we're going to go take up the offering. And they say, Lord, you saw these hands touch these needs and we pray for the offering. Amen, take up it, take it the offering. Okay. Lord, you saw their hands touch these needs. The whole unspoken, raise your hand, unspoken prayer request is absolute, complete, total waste of time it gets absolutely nothing accomplished. I can't agree with something I don't know. I've had someone ask me to pray that their husband who had divorced them, who was married to another woman, would divorce that woman and come back to her. Now what if that had been your unspoken prayer request? And there's been a much more crazier prayer request than that, I can assure you. What if that's your unspoken prayer request? I can't agree with that. I don't even want to agree with that. You understand what I'm saying? I know sometimes we we get on um, public media, social media, whatever you call it. Say, I got a prayer request. You don't know what it is, but God knows. Once again, God may know, but I don't know. And I can't pray for something I don't know. Now, I can pray a cute prayer, I can pray a real cute prayer that looks cool, sounds good, use some big words, look them up in the dictionary or whatever to find out what they mean. You can do that. But once again, that that does not get anything accomplished because you cannot have faith in something you do not know. So there's a difference in a cute prayer and a prayer of faith. Now, if you come to me and say, here's my problem, and you tell me your problem, I can have faith and I can stand with you for that problem. I can agree with you. I can pray and we can get something accomplished. Because it says where to ask for anything, it shall be done. And You say, well, I may have asked, you say, I've asked for unspoken prayer requests and I've seen God move. You may have saw Him move from the people that were actually praying in faith. But it wasn't from the unspoken ones, I can tell you. Because you can't agree, you can't get in agreement with something you don't know. I could go on this for a while. That's something I do not like. I see it in churches all the time. I want to stop the service and go, hey, you're wasting your time. (laughs) Don't do it. that's what it is it's acute prayer now somebody may come up to you and say I need you to pray for this you can say I can't agree with you on that because I don't sound too good you're going to try to rob the bank tomorrow and you need me to pray you don't get caught I, I can't well what if their unspoken prayer request was that What if their unspoken prayer requested something illegal or something along those lines or something, and there's two sides to every story, and you only heard their side, but you didn't hear the other dude's side or the other woman's side. You understand what I'm saying? To this power of agreement, next time somebody comes up to you and says, I need you to pray for me, but I can't tell you why, I can't pray for you. I can just do a general prayer over you, Lord bless them and um, hope well, all is well. Peace be with you as you go. Some people are looking at me like I'm nuts. Other people are smiling. I guess we got a mixed, mixed crowd on. But uh, just know I'm right and you're wrong. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I do happen to believe I'm right. I wouldn't be preaching it, but I, I back up what I preach in the Word of God. And there's a prayer of faith, and there's a cute prayer. There's two different things. Amen. All right. So how do we pray? We're going to move through this quickly. How do we pray? What does I want to kind of show you real quick what everyday prayer life can, can look like and what it should look like uh, for you, for me, for all of us. So in Matthew the 6th chapter, the 5th verse. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. And surely I say to you that they have their reward. And the the, the religious people that put on sackcloth and ashes go out in public and pray towards people. And God said, no, don't do it that way. That's not the way that I want you to do it. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to the Father who's in a secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you in the open. Does that mean we can't pray here in church because is out in the open? Well, of course not. Uh, let me tell you, he can make it real simple. You ever go to eat with someone? You ever been to a restaurant with someone before? And you can tell by their speech, you've known them for a while, they are definitely not serving the Lord. They're not living for the Lord. It's very obvious. But we're in a restaurant and there's a big round table and everybody's gathered around. They go, you know, they get their glass. Ting, 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 ting. I want to say the blessing. So why are you going to start praying now? You ain't prayed in the last 20 years. That's what I'm thinking. The reason why you want to pray is because everybody's around. You want to look at you and think, oh, Mr. Spiritual's going to say the blessing. He's going to pray. Well, that's fine. You know, if you pray at the restaurant in front of your coworkers, all of them, that's cool. Just make sure you do it at home with your wife and children. Make sure you do it at home when ain't nobody else around. Not just out in front of everybody so you can be seen and be heard. Amen. You know, one of those give me the microphone deals. He says, don't pray this way. The very first thing he tells us, he goes, don't don't pray this way. Don't do it this way. Not a babbling, non-relational type of prayer. And people get into praying and babbling and going on. And I've heard some prayers and my prayers aren't the greatest. Trust me. And I'm not a well-educated man, but I've heard some prayers from some well-educated people, and I thought, Dear Lord Jesus, will they ever stop praying? I don't even know what they're saying. Half of these words I've never even heard of, honestly, I'll have to ask somebody what they even meant. And you can tell it's not a, they're not praying from a relationship with Jesus. They're praying from an education. They know a lot about Him, they just don't know Him. And He said, "Don't pray. Don't pray that way. Don't, not a lot of babbling. He says, when you do pray, well, let's go on, let me read. And when you when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things have need of before you even ask. In this manner, therefore, pray... He says, in this manner pray. This is the manner in which you should pray, right here. This is the outline, this is the example. Don't pray like them, vain repetition, a bunch of babbling, uh, non-relational type praying. Don't do it to be seen and heard out on the street corners in front of everybody, but do it this way right here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive me in their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive me in their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses. Now, back up to the beginning. You say, well, I can pray that prayer in 15 seconds and be done. What are you talking about an hour or 30 minutes or 20 minutes? No, he's not saying pray that just those scriptures and be done. He's not, that's not the prayer. He says pray in this manner. In other words, this is an outline. This is an example of how to pray. And you take this outline or this example and you make it personal. So in verse 9 right here, In this manner, therefore, pray our, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, first thing you're doing is giving thanksgiving, Uh, uh, prayer and worship and you're doing that by His name and address. We're not just praying to anybody. This is not just a random prayer that we're just throwing up to anybody. But this is a specific prayer to my Father in heaven. That's His name and that's His address. It's different. Because there's a lot of things out there that you can pray to. There's a lot of false God and a lot of fake God, but there's only one Father that I've got that's in heaven. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And that's who we're praying to. Amen? And it says, Hallowed be their name. Hallow. To hallow his name. And it's not, that word, hallow uh, his name, is not like, hey, I'm leaving, to see you later. And they're like, holla. That's not what I'm talking about. See? You got somebody to <laughs> but that's not what it is. In other words, when you're hollowing his, hollow his name, it's a, it's a sacred. You're saying your name is sacred, your name is pure, your name is worthy, and uh, I, I want to hollow your name. I want you to. I, I need to see you so others, so I can show others you clearly. In other words, I don't need any bugs on the windshield. Lord, hallow your name to me. I want to see who you really are. It's uh, one of those things where we're giving you reverence. Uh, Father who art in heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, it's not the big guy in the sky. The man upstairs, I'm not praying to the man upstairs. I'm not praying to the big guy in the sky. He's not a big guy in the sky, and he's not the man upstairs. His name's a little more important than that. Somebody says, Hallowed be your name. It's your name. It's your name that every knee will bow to and every tongue will confess to. Every knee's not going to bow to the big guy in the sky or the man upstairs. His name, the, the name of God, my father, it's a big deal. And help me to see how big of a deal it is. Help me to see it clearly. Hollow your name to me so that I can show you to other people and they'll see you just as clear as I do. Amen. Moses didn't hollow him when he hit the rock and he punished him for it. When you say, you, I hollow your name, you're saying, I sanctify your name, I worship you, and you're the only one worthy. In the the 10th verse, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom, that's an authority, a rule. Basilia, I believe, is the Greek word for it, which means rule, which means authority. And basically what you're doing, you're saying, I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering to your kingdom. I'm surrendering to your authority and to your rule. And I'm inviting you in. You invite him in. I want his guidance. I want his will to be done for my life. I want His rule to be done for my life. I want His guidance in my life. I want His authority to be first in my life. Are y'all with me? You out there? I invite your rule to be done in my life. I want to live in a place of perfect will. Now, our kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, you see all the times people, people, things happen. And God gets a credit for things. That, everything that happened, He gets a credit for it. I mean, somebody stays out drinking all night and they go around a curvy road and they run off the road and hit a pine tree and they die. And at the funeral, they preach and say, it was God's time. God took him. Never know God's will. Never know God's plan. That's not God's will or plan. Because God says, thou shalt not be a murderer. Thou shalt not murder. And if God murdered, he'd be going against his own nature. That would make him a murderer if he murdered you. He can't do that. That's impossible. That person didn't run off the tree and hit the tree and die. That's not God's will. That's just a stupid mistake that was made on the part of a human being. And we do it all the time. So every time you stump your toe, that's not God's will. This broken arm was not God's will. He does not want me to have to go through surgery and have this stupid sling on and whatever I've got in the future. He doesn't want that for me. It wasn't His will. I live in a fallen world. I made a mistake. I hit a tree. I broke my arm. That's not God's will. Can He teach me something through this? Sure. He can teach me something through it. But it's not God's will. Everything that happens is not God's will. If everything that did happen was God's will, why would He tell us to pray this? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if His perfect will was already being done on earth, if everything in earth was already His perfect will, why would we have to pray? We wouldn't. Because it's already being done. Just scratch that on out. But he says, No, my perfect will is not being done on earth. That's why I need you to pray that the the will be done on earth just like it's done in heaven. So, what is his perfect will? What is it? Well, this Bible right here is slap full of what his will is for your life. What's his will concerning healing? By your stripes. By my stripes, you were healed. By his stripes, we were healed. That's his perfect plan, that's his will. What about concerning needs? Uh, I'll supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. All your needs will be supplied according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's His will. That's His will. To be fruitful. To have more than enough. Does He want you to be broke? That's just His will for me to be broke. No, it's not. How could you help somebody else if you're broke? How can you help somebody else when you're laying flat on your back, broke, busted, and disgusted? You can't help Nobody. He wants you to be prosperous. You know why? Not to hoard it up, but to help others. Amen. We want you to guide our thoughts. We want your will to be done, starting right there in our thoughts. Okay. God's provision. In the 11th verse, give us our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well, let me back up to the daily bread. I got ahead of myself. Eleventh verse. Give us our daily bread. That's God's provision. And you know God blesses what He possesses. And He energizes what He initiates. And a lot of times it's not... uh, you know, we wait till we're halfway down a road that we shouldn't have been on, then we start wondering how in the world do we get out of here and how do we get here? But Proverbs tells us that wisdom stands at the head, at the front, at the beginning of every street and shouts. That wisdom does. That's why we need to be praying for wisdom. See, daily bread's very broad. But praying for wisdom in every before I go down a road, before I make a decision, I'm gonna pray for wisdom. You know, wisdom's not a thing. Wisdom's a person, and his name's Jesus. Pray for wisdom before you buy the car. Pray for wisdom before you go shopping for the house. Pray for wisdom before you ask her to marry you, before you say yes if he asks you to marry him. Pray for wisdom. Pray for it. Pray before you do it. Don't go halfway down the road or end up on a dead end street and then then say, you know what? I should have prayed. There ain't nothing left to do now but pray. Has anybody ever said that? I mean, there <laughs> ain't nothing left to do. I've tried everything I know. Spent all my money. I guess we'll have to pray. Y'all know it's true. I've said the stupid, same stupid things myself before. No, pray first. Save you a lot of pain and suffering, amen? If it's His will, He's going to pay for it. If it's His will, He's going to pay for it. This daily bread, guess what? He'll provide you. He'll provide you the provision. If it's His will, He'll pay for it. The problem is we make our own choices and we get deep in and we cry out to God to come bail us out. We make decisions without His blessings. And you know what? When you make decisions without His blessings, I believe it's in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 calls it dead works. But we make uh, choices without His blessings, and then we ask Him to bail us out. And guess what? He's a good, merciful God, and He will bail you out. But don't think you can just go around and pick and choose and do what you want to. If it don't work, call. God will bail you out, and you want to pay for it, because you will. There's pain and consequences associated with it. It's going to cost you something. He might bail you out, but you might have lost that hundred grand. He might bail you out, but it might have cost you this or that. It might have cost you years off your life. And here's one thing I can tell you right now is I've never made a bad decision in my entire life with Jesus. He doesn't lead you wrong. When you pray to Him and He says, step to the left or step to the right, He doesn't lead you the wrong way. And let me go a step further. If you're married, you you need to add your wife or your husband to that equation. You can stand before uh, people and say, I've never made a bad decision my entire life and I've made those decisions with Jesus and my wife or Jesus and my husband. You understand what I'm saying? Me and my wife are in agreement and Jesus is right here in the middle of it. It's very important. It's very important. In the 12th verse, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Yeah, we're forgiven. We're going to heaven. So that's not a concern. I mean, Jesus went to a cross, died for you, His blood was shed for you. We're going to heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, guess what? I'm willing to extend as much grace to you as you're willing to extend to them. This is God talking. I'm willing to extend as much grace to you as you are to them. You want to hold a grudge against them? You don't want to forgive their debts? I'm willing to extend as much grace to you as you are to them. Ooh. Mm, That'll heat you right between the eyes, won't it? You get as much as you give and you need to bring Him all your issues. He knows them anyway. So that's why there's no reason to sneaking around thinking you're going to hide something from God. Go ahead and get it out in the open. Bring it to Him. Talk to Him about it. And don't pray, God, I won't sin today. And God, I won't be mad at Him today. And God, I won't hold it against Him today. Pray for His goodness. The fruit of goodness. Because the fruit of goodness will change your want to. See, what you used to want to do versus what you want to do now has changed. Because I've been praying for this fruit of goodness and God's goodness has filled me up from the inside out. And guess what? What I want to do is not what I used to want to do. I don't want to be mad anymore. I don't want to be in unforgiveness anymore. I don't want to uh, live my life like that anymore. I'm in full filled with God's goodness. My want to's changed. You know, people say you get saved and do anything you want to. You can. You really can. You can get saved and do anything that you want to do. You can. But hear me out. If you really understand the blood of Jesus, and you really understand forgiveness, you really understand the grace of God, what you want to do is going to change. You're not going to want to do those things. So can I do anything I want to? Absolutely. I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to hate anybody. I don't want to steal nothing. I don't want to do drugs. I don't want to drink alcohol. There's a long list of things I don't want to do. But there's a lot of things I do want to do. And none of them's on the bad list. They're not on the naughty list. They're on the nice list. You know why? My want to's changed. Jesus changed my want to. He changed my desire. My desire is not what it once used to be. So you can get saved and do anything you want to. You sure can. If you're really truly saved you know what that means. You can do any other thing you want to. I hope you do. But if you say that means you can just go out and party and live like a heathen and do anything I want to, you don't even understand salvation. And uh, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know what I wrote down here? This is like supernatural direction and protection. Deliver us from the evil one. He's out there every day. Deliver us from him. I need supernatural protection. I need supernatural direction. Don't, I don't want to go the wrong way. Don't let me go the wrong way. Supernatural deliverance. To walk in your perfect path that you have for me. Supernaturally guide me each and every step of the way. Amen? And he says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Um. That's an acknowledgement right there divine right. In other words, yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, not mine. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power and yours is the glory, not mine. It's not mine. It's all about you. It's all about your kingdom. I'm going to operate under your power and it's all for your glory. Now there's a lot of people on earth that want to build their own kingdom with their own power and it's for their own glory. You know what I'm talking about. But it's just acknowledging and saying, no, it's not about me. It's all about you. I'll serve your kingdom. And I'll serve your kingdom by your power. And I'll give you all the glory for it. Amen. Literally, amen. The glory forever. Amen. Amen doesn't mean like, woo, buffet time. You know, at the end of every Sunday when I say amen, and you're like, Thank Jesus, I think He's ever going to say amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you're like, wr, wr, out of the parking lot. It's like Talladega coming out of here. Wr. Amen doesn't mean I'm signing off now. Ten four, Roger, over and out, good buddy. That's not what amen means. It doesn't mean signing off. That means I just prayed a prayer in faith. And I, say, I said amen because it's going to happen. I just prayed a prayer in God's Word. I'm standing on God's Word. I'm believing on God's Word. I believe it's going to happen just like it says it's going to happen. Me and her, me and you, me and us, all of us, we just agreed on something. And it is going to happen in the name of Jesus just like the Word of God says it's going to happen. I'm standing on it. I'm believing it's going to happen. I'm going ahead and thank you in advance that it is going to happen. Amen. Amen. It's a prayer of faith. You can't amen one of those prayers I was talking about earlier, one of those cute prayers. Amen. Amen and a bunch of uh, junk. There's a difference in a cute prayer and a prayer of faith. That's what the amen is. Amen because it's going to happen. Amen. Well, amen. Did y'all get anything out of it? You know what will say, Well, maybe I haven't been praying this way, you haven't been praying that way, and you think, man, I haven't been doing this or that right. And I've sown some bad seeds, what did I do? Well, guess what? The seeds can those those What's been growing can be snatched up by the roots and you can plant some new seeds. You can start something new. And this prayer is not for something uh, somebody that's well-educated or been in ministry for 20 or 30 years. It's for the believer who just started yesterday. And you just start talking to God. Start talking to Him. I said it just a few moments ago. How you get to know your wife, you talk to her. How do you get to know your husband, you talk to her. You spend time with her, you talk to her, you ask her questions, she asks you questions. You know more and more and more and more about each other and you learn each other, you learn different things back and forth. Next thing you know, man, we've got a tight, close bond because I know things and you know things. You know things about me and nobody knows about me. You see me cry and ain't nobody seen me cry. Or you see me this, that, or the other one, nobody else is saying, you know things. You've told me things that you've only told me, or vice versa. And now you've got this man, what a relationship built. It's the same thing with Christ, same thing with Jesus. When you pray to God, talk to Him just like that. Like He's a friend sitting in the car riding down the road with you because He is a friend riding down the road in the car with you. He says, I'm a friend, I'll stick to you closer than a brother. I'll never I'll leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm right by your side. And just talk to Him like that. You get to know Him. He gets to know you. Spend some time in prayer. It doesn't have to be all perfect. And you, you don't literally have to go get in a closet. and it, it doesn't have to be perfect, guys. Just talk to Him. Tell Him your heart. What's on your heart? Tell him how bad she did you. Tell him how bad he's doing you. Tell him how you feel. Tell him you got three ball cars, uh, ball tires on your car. And you're afraid to carry the kids to school because you're gonna have a blowout. Tell him. Tell him what your dreams are and Guess what? He'll start telling you some things. He'll start showing you some things. He'll start showing you how to make investments with money and what to do and what not to do. He'll start showing you some things. He'll start showing you what to tell the, your co-worker who's lost and going to hell, and he'll give you the words to speak to them to, to save them and bring them out from hell. Amen? Somebody told me, said, I want to thank you Um, Something like delivering me out of the pits of hell and getting my life back on track. And I honestly didn't even know what they are talking about. I didn't know I delivered them from hell. I didn't even know I got their life back on track. It's just somebody I'm around all the time. And I realized I didn't even do anything different. I was just a friend. I just showed them Jesus. And extended some mercy and extended some grace to them just as he's extended to me. And just by being their friend and just by extending a little mercy and a little grace changed their life. Somebody I worked with. Sometimes you say, well, I don't know how to talk to that person. God can give you the words. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from 7 Mile Ministry.